Hello and welcome to episode fuck. <laughs> fuck I, want, I want that as my like text message tone. Hello, Just and to Hello and welcome to episode fuck. Hello, hang on, okay. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Hearty Dice Friends. My name is Grant Howitt. I'm Chris Taylor. And we are here to answer your role-playing game questions. We are best friends and we are recording together in the same room today and usually. This is a local recording. It's a local recording. Chris has come down for Christmas. We had a turkey. Oh, so much turkey. Which we got cheap because it was after Christmas. Yep. And, you know, we put an entire packet of butter in that fucking thing and it was still dry. I don't, <laughs> we tried. I don't know how turkeys work. I think that's fundamentally... And, like, and before you say brine it, don't. That is a lot of bother. I just don't... I don't have a bucket. I don't want to... Well, I do. Anyway. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hearty Dice Friends. We've got a cracker lined up for you, by which I mean... We are tired from Christmas. <laughs> And we are so tired. We're so tired. Yesterday we had Christmas, and normally you're pretty tired after with the family, but like yeah. we we stayed up till midnight playing. What was it called? Anairo. Anairo, yeah. Anairo, which is a puzzle game. And uh, I managed Smith's finest. I'd managed to get myself to the point of intoxication where I couldn't really dirt my shoes. <laughs> so <laughs> doing a very involved ARG was probably not. Yeah. Optimum yeah. time spent. I just, I just sort of wandered in with fresh cocktails every now and again, and suggested something, which often proved to be correct. Oh. The thing is, I only suggested three things though, so if two of those <laughs> are correct, we're fine. <laughs> when we were doing it for several hours. Oh yeah. Anyway, let's let's do what we came here to do. Let's, let's ask some questions. Let's, let's deep dive some well, questions. Let's answer some questions. We're not asking questions. No. So it wouldn't, but you ask me a question. I'll ask you a question. As it. is tradition. As is tradition. Go take a drink of this delicious whiskey. Do it. Owen asks, should every campaign be written with a firm endpoint in mind? No. Okay, next question. Okay. Good. Oh, we can we probably get this episode done in five minutes. <laughs> the, the issue with this is that... Uh, I'm going to say yes and no. Okay. Because yes it de- and this. It depends what you mean with a, by campaign. If you've got, let's say, for example, a, a six-game arc of D&D and you know the players are going to be fighting orcs, then you could think, well, who's the big bad orc and what, and what they're getting to, and how are they going to reach them? Yeah. And that that's a pretty firm end point in mind. And if the players decide that orcs aren't, aren't interesting, then that's then you can sort of say to them, hey, can we fight the orcs, please? That's what the game's about. I've kind of plotted out some orcs. God, I've just, got, just throw it out. I've just got all the orcs here. Whereas if it's like a year-long campaign, and you're trying to get... You're trying to get um, drama from in different individual characters coming together and playing off each other and their backstories. I think working out what the last game is before the first one is going to be super hard. Yeah, I mean, I think as every GM has ever has found out, the players will derail what you plan. Mm-hmm. That's just how it goes, and that's, that's fine. That's just part of it. It's all about planning smarter. Yeah, but if you plot with a firm endpoint, i.e. like a final scene... Mm. You're going to be trying to crowbar that scene in. I will say, though, interesting enough, that's what we've done with Idol on Sky. No. Okay. What we've done with Idol on Sky is we've got an end condition. And something you do at the end. Yes. Rather than this is the final scene of it. Yeah, yes. Okay. We, we've plotted to a point where there is a, a trigger hmm. that essentially goes, okay, when, when 
X of these mm. requirements have been met, the end game kicks happens. In. Yeah, I think that's quite a fun way to do it because it means your players can. Um, so it's, it's it's been an interesting experience listener playtesting Adlon Sky, which is our first uh, published adventure for Spire. In that Chris and I are both running it for two different groups, and we might as well be playing different games. Yep. Um, mine have in mine seem to be trying to do. I'm going to say copycat murders just to upset people. Really petty stuff. Yep. And yours are just mailing knolls everywhere. Yeah, that's happened. That um, certainly happened. Yeah, so it's quite like mine's getting upsettingly violent, <laughs> just like right off the bat. And it's only got. Mine is about minimising the violence. Yeah, I, I, believe, I believe you had like 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 a cup of tea with a witch. Yeah, nice and some and some cats. Yeah, there's been there's been a nice sit down tea party. Yeah, which is pleasant. Like at no point have my players ever had time to eat food. <laughs> <laughs> And so, but those are technically the same adventure, and I think that when you're plotting, you can certainly, um, I think certainly having an end game in mind, and also like communicating that to the player, Yeah, the players, like um, in D&D, let's say for example, um, your mission is to go and, uh, the, this story is about the time that your adventurer's guild, the, the six of you, went and cleared out the keep on the borderlands. Yeah. And... The aim of the game is to clear out the keep on the borderlands, and probably the keep on the borderlands is going to have very little stuff in it by the time you're done. Yeah, but you don't have to. You don't have to say, "Well, they will fight this goblin in this room at this time. They will have this many." Anything. Yeah, have yourself an end condition and an end goal. Mm. Do not have a firm end point, mm. and see how it takes you. Because your players are going to surprise you. You're going to surprise yourself halfway through with mm. a good idea. And you don't want to be very married to a certain concept. This is this is very useful, but it isn't very funny. This is true. So I want I want, I want to have I'm, I'm going to ask you a slightly more lighthearted question. Okay, do that. If you make an RPG, what features would you add? If Asked I, by the cyborg. If I make a RPG, make an RPG. Uh, you know what? Let's not take the piss out of this person's writing. No. If you make an RPG, yeah, I'll correct it for them. What features are you going to add to this dream RPG, Chris? Now, okay, hear me out here. Yeah, I'm going to change the question. Okay. If you found an RPG, <laughs> you don't have to go through all the bullshit process of making it yep. and putting up with me every day. What you have to do is just buy it or find it in your house. What features do you want in that roleplay game? I think I want some degree of something interesting happening between games. Mm, downtimes. Downtime stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, the One Ring does a lot of really interesting stuff with a downtime phase. Yeah, um, and like the turning of seasons and, and how abstracted you can make that. As yeah, well. it's kind of fun. Um, that's one thing that I think is missing from a lot of games. And mm. A lot of games aren't set up to support it. No, and like, and the One Ring is about stuff taking fucking years. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's about a, you know a, a huge journey across countryside, and yeah. it takes months. Yeah, and that's fine. Um, but I like that sense of continuation especially mm. if it's something you can do when you're not with your players at the table yeah in fact one, one thing I will say uh, when I was trying to think of games which did that and I was thinking well actually in the Apocalypse World games if you roll six or below at that point the MC the GM can make a move on behalf of their characters mm. and can sort of move against you because oh well, you goofed up but that isn't actually the right thing because your players have to fuck up before anything happens. Yeah. And it's not just the world is going to carry on moving forward in interesting ways. It's it, the world only exists as a mirror of your players, which I find quite frustrating with Apocalypse World games. Yeah. 
I would have overclocked mech suits. You do like your overclocked mech suits? I would like a police unit fighting a criminal unit. I don't know which of the good guys, probably the criminals. Probably, yeah. You'd probably sway that way. Probably sway that way. And they have overclocked mech suits, which get very warm. <laughs> they have a toasty roll. There was, there was, there was a game which. So, like uh, a couple of years ago, I, I decided to write my own mech game, and followers of my work will note that I have not done it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I started reading every single mech game I could to try and understand what was powering them yeah, and what like, sort of yeah. pitfalls to you'd be facing, etc. And when I said it gets very hot. That wasn't a joker. That wasn't just a jokey joke I came up with on the spur of the moment. That's from something called Heavy Gear, I believe. Okay, I believe it's Heavy Gear. Uh, again, if I got that wrong, please don't write and correct me. The uh, the main limiting factor for your mech is heat. Okay. So the more actions you make in a turn, the hotter your mech gets, and you have to build cooling units onto it to vent that heat. Or kind of interesting. Stand in a lake. Ah. Oh. You can stand in a lake and reload your gun for free. Do you think you should go to battle just clad in dry ice? Yeah, precisely. I think we need, I think we should have no penalties for firing two guns at once. In fact, bonuses for firing two guns at once. Yeah, it works better. I would like I would like all equipment to be named, or. Utterly irrelevant to proceedings. <laughs> either it lets one of the two extremes. Either it lets me do the thing and I don't care about it, or it is my favourite one. Okay. You know. Yep. Um, I much like Raytama. I want rules for pies and rules for umbrellas. Weaponized umbrellas are just standard umbrellas. Oh no! Just to keep the rain off. You can't use them as weapons. Do you know Raytama? I do not. It's a game about going for a walk. It's brilliant. It's, it's a Japanese game. It's set in a fantasy kingdom. Mm-hmm. And in this world, people, uh, it's considered kind of a rite of passage thing. Like as you're growing up, once you hit the age of about 18, you're supposed to go on a big journey and you travel to a faraway town and meet some people and learn some stuff and then walk back. Okay. And it's the story of that. So there's like a baker, a tailor, a um, local administrator and a meteorologist all wander out and, the, and there's dragons but the dragons are like hey do you want a pie and there's different rules for pies like whether the pie is good you, you can you can have an uncool umbrella and that will be reflected in game how nice is that I, I don't think it's, it's lovely but I don't think it's a thing I'd ever play what about with my mech suits <laughs> with, a, with a doggy umbrella well, you don't want the umbrellas then because you need the water to cool them that's very true actually yeah I need some sort of alternate like an anti-umbrella just turn it upside down. And then you have an upside down umbrella. Yeah. Well, anyway. Which doesn't help. What else do you want in your game? What else do I want in my game? Shape changes. I do like weird shape changing. Mm. I liked Cthulhu Tech for its takers. And yeah. What a, what a pity about that game. I like magic that doesn't make sense. Yep. That's like, always fun. I would like... like I would like all magic to effectively be done as you can do... I, I want the GM and the player to have different descriptions of what magic is. So let's say the player prays for aid, and they pray to the god of, oh, I don't know, um, strength for aid. Mm-hmm. And they roll the dice, and the GM has a much bigger thing saying, all right, here's what's actually going to happen. <laughs> and some of them might well be, you, like, you get strength for aid, and in yeah. the case it's like you go into a frenzy. Or your god views you weak for asking for help and penalises you even further. And that sort of thing. But you don't know what you're going to get. I think that would be very interesting, actually, having 
rather than a DM guide and a player's handbook, mm. having a player's rule book and a DM's rule book. Mm. And Never the twain shall meet. No. They're completely separate. Well, that's, that's the thing. Like, the player's is a derived... Yes, but it's, it's a different thing. Like, the player's version gives you which levers you can flick. Yeah. And then the DM one gives you the machine that those levers run through. Now, it's quite frustrating in some ways because... One of the one of the ways you can understand and get better at and enjoy RPGs is being able to make informed decisions. Yep. I think it'd be quite a tricky thing to write down, for example, how to have archery, for example. And just you are you am good with bow, and then the GM has like six pages of you am shoot your wife. <laughs> <laughs> you win, kill bear. You, you you kill bear. I I don't. I think it might be difficult, but it would definitely work for magic and spells. Yeah, I mean that that press. that sort of exists in paranoia. Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, that's just, sort just of do the thing. where you where you say I want to try and shoot something. Well, I will say every um, mutant power we put in it, it's just you can do these things. Ask the GM nicely. <laughs> be real kind, me. Be real kind. Yeah, we've uh, we we actually. You know what? I want to ask you a question based on this. Okay. Actually, not based on this at all. What is the animal which you would least like to drink the milk of? I and then most like to drink the milk. Okay, but I have a subtle question. Mm-hmm. Am I drinking it straight from the animal, or am I getting it in a glass? What do you want? I, if it's in a glass... Do you want it pasteurised? Oh, yes. Okay, let's assume it won't kill you. It might nauseate you, but it won't kill you. Okay. You're, in, you're in no physical harm. Right. Um, the acquisition of the milk is handled off-site, and it's presumed it's all ethical. And it's it's not contaminated. It's just no, no, no. It's, it's not. It's, it's not going to be. Like, oh, I've got a nice glass of otter milk and it's full of seawater. Yeah, you know? and I took a piss in it. Yeah, no. I mean, that's 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 a different question. I think I'm going to assume it's also below room temperature. It's chilled. Okay. I think the milk I would like to to drink the least is whale milk. Why do you say that? Because it's got the amount of nutrients in it to keep a whale calf alive. Well, you don't have to... You wouldn't have to drink the full pint. No, I realise. It's a bit like eating the polar bear liver. It's going to be thick. It's going to be dense. You have to get it down with a, with a spoon, aren't oh, you? Oh, it's going to be so much... And like, so salty. Milk, it's going to be so fatty. So salty. So fishy. Yeah. And it's going to be a bit like, like lactating gumbo. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be more than a meal. You know... Yeah. I don't think I'm up to it. <laughs> and most? Uh, most, I would like to try something bizarre. Like you can't, obviously, you can have D&D monsters if you want. Oh, oh, well, you ch- just change the rules. Oh, right? sorry. You know what? We'll, we'll go back from the past on D&D monsters. Okay. Yeah, so, something bizarre. I, I want to try something bizarre, like platypus milk. I think I'd quite like to try bear milk. I think... It's got to be quite nutritious, but not whale nutritious. Super rugged. Yeah. You've got to break it up with a fork before you get it down. Yeah. You know what my least favourite milk to drink is? Uh, I've, I've, I've thought about this. It's fox milk. <laughs> Not a possum milk. No, possum... Well, oh, that's pretty disgusting. Can you imagine a possum milk? But just imagine... It's, it's a, a grit in it. Just, <laughs> it's got glass in it. How do they get in there? Just imagine milking a vixen as it hisses <laughs> at you out of its tiny little lips. <laughs> and, oh. then, and then drinking that... that Awful stank water. It's <laughs> going to be rotten. Now, I think we should pick D&D creatures as well. All right. For, for the one I most want, Celestial Bison. Celestial Bison looks going to be heavenly. It's going to... Mm-hmm. 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 I guess you don't... Celestial Cows? Oh, yeah, why not? Thing? I don't see why not. You can apply the Celestial Template to all sorts of things. I have a question for you. Yeah. What do you think Dragonborn milk tastes like? Because they got tits. <laughs> I think you have to ask very nicely before you before you. No, if you're a dragonborn babby, 
<laughs> All right, darling. I am thirsty. <laughs> I Be- don't... Beholder milk? <laughs> Assuming they give birth to live young. They probably do eggs, don't they? They're they kind of reptilian. Eggs or just... They just, osmosis, I think they just osmosis, warm up meiosis. a young one. Just what? Mitosis? The one no, that it's that the power Where it splits. It's to, um, yeah, that one. I'm doing, a, I'm doing a gesture of splitting. Asexual reproduction. Yeah. Oh, parthenogenesis, isn't it? Something like I can't that? remember, but yeah. they just cut themselves in half and then there's two of them. Manticore milk. Oh. Oh, that's three different animals. Mm, no, it's chimera milk. That's coming. Manticores have those fucking poison spikes they fire at their tail. Oh yes. I imagine they got poison milk as well. I imagine everything's poisonous with them fuckers. Cockroach milk. <laughs> the milk of an orum vorax. Pulled from the waps of cockroaches. <laughs> Mimic milk. <laughs> Does it look like milk and then it just sort of kills you? <laughs> so. Time for a nice refreshing painter. <laughs> Plus, it's really bizarre watching somebody milk a treasure chest. She <laughs> <laughs> got little ones inside of them. Yeah, just on the underside. So you, you, by the lock. Have to, have to sort of like pick it up, and then and like when, when its legs start going, do it have legs? They do in yeah. Dark Souls, but let's say yes. Yes, okay. And then grab its little nipples and and just really, really go to town, getting as much as you can out yeah. before it eats you. Milking things is fun. Is it? Well, it's a fun t- topic of conversation. Okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so the actual act of milking things is probably par- quite difficult. Apparently, pigeons create milk, and like there's something called crop milk, which they make in their crop to feed to their young. That's um... which is kind of a nutritious. Well, it's not sick apparently, but it seems like sick to me. Doesn't really seem like milk though. Apparently, it's milky. Yeah, milky, but I don't. Is it actually a milk? It's a bit like almond milk. <laughs> it's not really <laughs> what a it, milk. What that is is macerated and squeezed. That's not milk. That also works for parts of a cow if you want to get milk out of it. <laughs> You've got a flank of beef. <laughs> Just, no, you can't. No, the other bits. <laughs> beef milk. Ethnically sourced. It's very red, isn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. 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 It's a kind of like, sort of myoglobin tang. Okay, hang on a sec. Because you probably could make it if you got the fat. Because all milk is is fat and water. Yeah. So if you could get the fat off... white food colouring. That's the fat... You <laughs> Also, what the fuck is white food <laughs> It's like an eraser for cakes. Yeah, it's Tipex. Right, okay. Because you'd have to... You'd get the fat off a steak. Yeah. Liquidise that. Yep. Render it down into a liquid. And then mix that in with milk. And that's... Sorry, mix that in with... <laughs> mix it with milk. <laughs> for a rich... For a rich for bedtime... For a rich milk. <laughs> for a rich bedtime treat you can have in place of Horlicks. Mama! Mama, I need my beef tea. <laughs> all right, ask me another question. I asked you two. All right, all right. Nexus the Duck asks, <laughs> when, you are, <laughs> when you are writing a game, either collaboratively or on your own... I don't know what it's like to write them on my own anymore. <laughs> what are your checks and balances as to whether something is a good idea? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to my, checks, my check and balance, Mr. Chris Taylor. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I I like to think of myself as the ideas man, and I like to think of Chris as the quarterback, <laughs> <laughs> or rather, whatever the opposite of a quarterback is, like a blocker that stops literally 
any shite that comes out of my mouth I, I get, going through I get some, some weird ass shit ideas come my way you get like, some very weird stuff Grant, some of those are actually valid but yeah I this think, pile I've made over here think, is trash. I think two of them are crimes. <laughs> I don't think you can espouse that in a novel, in a book. You definitely can't say this. Yeah, you can't say that. And I think that it's a very valuable creative process because I, I sort of, I, I'm, I'm a fiery yang, and Chris is my somber yin. We don't really have anything in place. I think. Well, I, I will say one thing. We had uh, we've had a, we've had a sensitivity reader two actually yeah. give or take for for spire and stuff and that's something which is really important to us when we're dealing with stuff which could reflect into the real world in terms of yes. setting and also like in terms of mechanics like you can make mechanics which reflect the setting and can be like well you know minus four strength for women that sort of thing which yeah. is a mechanic but is bad yes what how how do you stop your shit ideas from going through. I simply don't have shit ideas. <laughs> I, am, I only have good ideas, he said, t- taking a big sip of beef milk. <laughs> All I have is certified bangers. <laughs> Top draw club bangers. <laughs> no, um, I think I, I run it through a kind of almost internal playtest in my head. Yeah. Like, would I feel comfortable saying something in front of people? That is that is a, an important facet of game design which I never look at yeah which, which I have to look at every day <clears throat> well no I'm not saying it's a problem I'm saying that's my role yeah, you yes know? yes um, you're, you're like I want you to listener if you think of a blue whale as our games I am plankton and Chris is the flesh grill Chris is a fleshy grill is, 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 is it called a baleen or something no that's kind of that's whale, a whale isn't it Whatever the, that grid the that big, plankton gets The big through. furry comb <laughs> that catches all the stuff that ain't plankton yep. and pushes it out of the way, leaving it as detritus in the whale's wake, that's us. Yep. I like to think of myself as ever-present and Chris is observant. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is paying attention. And, like, and, and, and also, generally, the check and balance we have is that we, will, we, will, we write placeholder rules. So... If we can't work out the precise nature of a rule, we'll say it gives plus six, and then work it out from there. Like, yeah. and it'll give it gives plus plus six to fighting, and we don't know what numbers are, we don't know what fighting is, but we but that gives us some things to sort of operate on. Yeah. So what we normally do is we normally have uh, plus fives, plus ones, plus fives, and plus tens. Yeah. Um, plus one is they're a little bit better at it. Plus five is they're pretty good at it. Plus ten is like best top, in the world. Top tier, yeah. Um, and we use that to just check how the role feels yeah. and how the whole sort of system locks together and then go, okay, we can now adjust those numbers around purpose. Now, the, the, the check and balance we use for that is because we use placeholder rules, we go through and, re- and write the book to have the actual rules in. Yeah. And then, uh, generally, I'm going to say about 16 times out of 17, we discover it's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not saying it's foolproof. Yeah. And then just start again. We we do not start again from scratch. Though. We keep we start like, again with more knowledge. We generally keep the fiction and yeah. change the rules, or we yeah. like like we keep what it does in our heads, but change them. That's the in, in, in terms of special effects, we keep the final shot, but we change the rigs. Yes, because yeah, we, we know what we know what we want it to do. We just don't, don't know how to make yeah, it we, do we it. We change the methodology behind it. Um, yeah, I think that I think that when, I, when I'm working on my own, I don't have that block. Um, I'll, I'll generally just sort of luck out. Yeah, which is good and bad. I mean, that's yeah. how Goblin Quest got made. Yes, precisely. And like, 
we wouldn't have released Goblin Quest working together because it's fundamentally a stupid system. But also, it's not the sort of thing that I'm good at. No, that makes sense. Yeah, it's just not my forte. You, you've got more fine. of a, you've got more of a, an, like not old school, but let's say a more encyclopedic approach to game design. Yeah. in that you're interested in the finding set things about the world and having and having interlocking powers coming together in synergies. Yeah. Whereas at that point in my career, I was trying to make a game where goblins died. Yes. I didn't want to reward synergy. <laughs> if anything, I wanted to punish synergy. Just <laughs> really hurt it. That's kind of how we do it, um, and, we, and we, we, we we stumble through. We're okay. all right. I think it's it's always a couple of masterpieces. It's you always, know, it's yeah, you know, yeah. I, I don't want to throw around the word magnum opi because <laughs> it's a phrase. I'm not sure what this phrase. shit. Yeah, magnum magnum opum. Magnum opum. I like that. Magnum opum is that kind of like like when you grind down magnum magnum opium. Yes. It's, it's like, like when when you smoke our finest work. <laughs> Can I ask you a question now? Do it. I am looking for an RPG with the players of vehicles instead of people. This was submitted by The Mighty Fallen on Reddit, which is I'm, nice. I'm sorry, instead of people. So not people in vehicles, not looking Mad Max here. No. We're looking Transformers. Well, that's not what the poster says. Okay. The poster says vehicles instead of people. Hmm. Now, we've got a few, I've got a few approaches we can take this. The most obvious one is cars. Yeah, um, you are a Ford Escort. You are you are a car. Your lights are your eyes. Your engine is your mouth, and inside, I don't know. It's a bit like Thomas the Tank Engine, where it's just like some sort of fucking terrifying Japanese nightmare curled up inside a train, and it has a face. Climb inside me. Well, it's it's referenced in the show that the trains need to breathe, so therefore they have some kind of lung. Mm, I don't like it. Mm-mm. Mm. The other option you've got is. I don't know the technical term for this, but there's very strange programs from Japan where girls are planes. Yes. You know those ones? Not the ones where girls are Germany, but the ones where girls are planes. planes. Yeah. Now, there are, of course, the ones where girls are German planes. And tanks. And tanks. Or there's girls with Panzer where they ride the tanks. But there are some where there are actually tanks as well. Yes, very much so. Or battleships. It's always war vehicles. I mean, I like I like the look of a war vehicle sometimes. Not enough to fuck it. I, I hope not. I don't know where I'd go. <laughs> you know, I guess if you if you anthropomorphised it down, is that how it's pronounced? I anthropomorphized. Really so. <laughs> anthropomorphised it down. Anthropomorphised. If you made it into a girl, and I guess it's just like a normal looking girl, but she's got sort of instead of hip, she's got like tank treads. No, nah, like port and starboard. Bounds the left-hand side, left side of a battleship. Well, just like, like a little bit of a battleship on her hip, you know. Okay. And maybe she's got like a cannon on her shoulder at a jaunty angle. Right. Then we could make out. But that's mainly people. That's hu- I'm making out with the human parts, aren't I? Yeah. Do you reckon she could feel like if I tickled her, her uh, flat cannons? Do you reckon that would feel <laughs> anything for her? I, or is honestly, it like tapping on my fingernails? <laughs> it just I, think it's, I think that one is dead steel. Is it like taking off my glasses and putting them in a box? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the whole thing is dangerous. Territory, right. Okay. Well. Okay. Listen. Listen. Let's 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 not worry so much about making love to, to an an anthropomorphized girlified ships. Yeah. What rule system are we going to do? Where the players are also are they cars or are they girl ships? Let's go with cars because that's actually a vehicle. 
and he used GURPS. I'm afraid to say. Spend an hour making you a sailboat. I never wanted to say... Well, now you are a sailboat. Yeah. I never wanted to say use GURPS, but I think actually this is the best situation. GURPS could probably handle that. This is the one time I think this is going to work, in that you make the car, and then rather than having a driver, you have a floating set of skill checks that live in the engine? Or the, the, the car's brain? I don't know how that works. Well, most cars have computer chips in them. Well, not, but not... like. Yeah, but live in the sat-nav. Yeah, there you go, yes. And it can eject in case of danger. <laughs> Find itself a replacement shell. I'm really upset that I said GURPS. <laughs> it stung a little, but I think it's correct. Because fate wouldn't function. Fate doesn't have... Because you'd need fucking granular rules for driving. Yeah. It has to be about driving. Yeah, you'd have to really focus on that. Rather than just having an drive check. What about the Fast and the Furious... But all the cars are the characters from Fast and Furious. So it's Vin Diesel, but he is also a car and also a schoolgirl. <laughs> I think you've got the greatest work of fiction of all time <laughs> in your hands. You know they're doing Fast and Furious live in London now. Live? The pictures on the buses has a fucking submarine on it. I don't think there's a submarine in it, guys. I don't know, but we need tickets. No, we don't. It's just it's just them driving cars fast at stuff. Oh, okay. It's not, well, it's not like Vin Diesel is there. Oh, well then, talking the about family, Paul Walker's corpse just catapulted <laughs> through the. Just <laughs> the submarine breaches. <laughs> Twice a day, kids. Remember to tip your waitresses. <laughs> Try the veal. Is it submarine saying that? Is that Paul yeah. Walker's corpse? Yes. Because it is people. Okay, yeah. Um, I can't think of... I, uh, I think... Um, Initial D had a role-playing game written for it, which was a Japanese racing game. Yep. A Japanese racing anime, which had a card. That, would, yeah. that would work, presumably. Uh, I would also be tempted to write my own game, where everything... Like, like You know how in um, Kendo, everything relies on your passion and your fury? Mm-hmm. I'd like just to have that bit driving. Just gears. Well, like, well like, 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 you'd have gears, but it would be like, how much I care about taking this corner, and who I'm fighting for. Actually, no, what I want is, a, is an RPG game mm-hmm. where you play drag racers. Right. And it's the the entire game is from start to finish line. Is it done in flashbacks or is it? But like every time you level up, that's when you go up through a gear. <laughs> <laughs> I I want to have an RPG where you know how in any anime where there's a contest or a game of some kind, mm-hmm. you have the main player, the antagonist, and then off to the side, the wise sensei and the woman who are explaining the rules as it goes on, because like generally the woman doesn't know what's happening. In the contest, yeah, so sure. the white sense is explaining that, and so I want the mechanics for that to plug that into any old shite. <laughs> like, for example, racing. He's using a right turn here. This allows the car to turn right. <gasps> really? <laughs> you can't. You <laughs> can't. <laughs> <to> the mind. <laughs> I gasped silently. I picked up a trick, by the way, um, from my from my brother-in-law. You know how in anime, when they have a lot of, like, in the subtitles or in, or in like, Japanese games, it'll go dot, dot, dot for silence. Yeah. You just replace, like, whenever you see dot, dot, dot in your head, you go... <laughs> it's like someone's farting. <laughs> and and everyone, like, everyone looks really uncomfortable and or shocked. Uh, awkward. <sighs> yeah, that's that's what I want. That's what you want. I just, I'd like to have I'd like to have the capacity to like improve the ma- improve the main player's chance by making up bullshit about the game he's playing. Just explaining the rules as you go along. What, like, like something like ultimate? 
Ultimate Something Fighter X Triple K Nine Edition. You'd Dragoon. call it Dragoon. My apologies, sorry. Um, and hyphen EX. Yeah. And then have that. And you simply have to keep layering details on top for all the game. And if you contradict each other, you lose. That <laughs> could work. Alright, ask me a question. I will. I'll let it load. Thanks. Here we go. Schizoflink. I believe that's how you pronounce that. Schizoflink. Schizoflink. How do you organise notes? Pen and paper? Electronic? A mix? This was, this was us on the Hearty Dice Discord. And what was what was very pleasing to me is immediately after in the questions dis, uh, discussion channel, there became where we entered a very quick uh, stage of one-upmanship, trying to prove who took the fewest notes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even read. <laughs> What's a pen? <laughs> I can't count above three. So fuck if I know what's going on with Dungeons and Dragons. Game notes. Yeah. Uh, I never take game notes. No. I make other people do it. Like drawing maps and stuff. Well, like, no, no, no. Like in game notes, I I make it the player's problem, and then I ritualistically force one of them to explain what happened last There's session. There's generally one person in each game who's into it. Yeah. In that. One. Yeah, there generally is. But if there isn't, then I pick them. Yeah, that's fair. I have a notebook. In fact, I'm gonna. You can hear the notebook. I'm gonna get it out from under the pile of detritus on my desk. Here is my notebook that I keep all of my notes in. Uh, in addition to all of my game design, this this is a drawing, Chris, of a flying kitchen, which the players Good. fought in. Um, I think you can actually say where it says where a Frenchman landed. <laughs> <laughs> That's useful on a, it's, on a geographical map. Yeah, it's really useful. Um, point is, I have one book, and I don't always bring it with me to places. Nor yeah. do I like. Also, like, I use index cards. Like the spy game I'm running, I have three index cards on my desk where I'm keeping track of all the stress and the plot. Uh, as long as I don't move them, that's fine. Yeah, you... I'm not very good at it. No, like I can see the benefits. I can see the huge Ooh. benefits of having loads and loads of very nice notes that are easy to reference. Mm. That being key, mm. that are easy to reference, because then you can, if they go back to a tavern that they went to in the first game, mm. and it's a year, a real world year later, yeah. and you can still have some. Um, correlation between continuity. Continuity. Thank you. Between those two events, then that's really cool. Yeah. The the best way that I've ever found of taking notes is from a thirteenth age game I was running in Australia, and we had it was four player game. It ran for about a year or so, mm-hmm. and we started off with fairly closed like fairly closed plots. But because of the nature of thirteenth age, people's plots start interrupting because you have your one unique thing and you know your relationship the, roles yeah and... the story you've invented starts to take over whatever story the GM's telling and that's kind of one of the wonderful things about it and so what we did we used to go and play around at, um, at someone else's house and so we would have pinned to their kitchen wall all of our current plot threads see that's amazing so we, ha- we had four bits of A4 and then I w- and then let's so, like at the end of every session, I would take them down and cross out ones which which we'd resolved, and write up new ones. And we all knew what they were referring to, but like I wouldn't have to write down every single truth about, say, for example, uh, the mysterious red dragon plot I was running in the largest city. I just had like um, dubious heritage question mark, <laughs> question mark yeah. and I told which player it was about. I, I, I told them this was their plot, and they started poking around it. And it just meant that we could, like, if ever there was a break in the game, or if ever people's attention went, they could go back and see what they wanted to explore. Yeah, see, that's nice. I think the most involved thing I've ever done was in a Call of Cthulhu game. Mm. Well, a Trail of Cthulhu Was this Armitage Files? 
No, okay. um, Eternal Lies. Yes. Um, where the players had a world map mm. and had their notes for each area linked to locations on a on geographical map. Um, and that was electronic. That was a white, an online whiteboard. That's kind of cool. Um, and it was very nice to have that like kind every, of red string. Like every other online whiteboard review, did you just draw cocks on it? I did not. Oh. Hmm. I was very good at very good about it. I was nice to everyone. <laughs> Actually, every single time we have used a shared online whiteboard, which is a lot. Yeah, either I have opened it and Chris has drawn a cock on it, or Chris has looked away for a second and I've drawn a cock. <laughs> Professionals. Yeah. Season professionals. I still got. I'd like. Uh, I occasionally just screen cap those fucking things. Really? Not the cocks. But oh. like, but like the whiteboards at yeah. the end of it. Because by the time we finish the session, I can't understand what the fuck's going on. No, but it was all useful while we were doing. it. Yes, we certainly thrashed down some stuff. So when we're, when we're making games, mm. electronic. Yes. All our notes were electronic. Yes, uh, unless we're trying to come up with a name for a product. Yes, if you or a person. Persons generally, we work it out. On electronic for a product or for like uh, and the name the name of a game or the name of a scenario or something, I will get out bits of paper and write them down, and we will yep. brainstorm together, and we'll take about half an hour to an hour to do it. Yeah, because you're you're very visual. So, yeah, I um, am. And also like just like hearing me describe stuff in terms of uh, like when, when you hear me GM, I'll talk about like the camera shot and the, yeah. the angles and what who can see yeah, what. Whereas I am definitely not that. No. Um, what are you? I don't know. Tactile. <laughs> what are you? What? What are even you? are you? You just describe how one feels all the time. <laughs> You feel icky. Ugh, you yeah. feel too warm. <laughs> Nasty. You feel overfull. But yeah, we use electronics. We we use electronics. We use G Docs. We use Google, Trigun. Google Docs and Discord. Yes, Discord doesn't fail. Discord generally. is the best. Skype is terrible. Give up on Skype. Get a Discord account. You can have as many people in there shouting at each other as you want, and it'll never stop. It's wonderful. Use that. Um, I, I like. The the issue I found with Google Docs is that there's always something faintly embarrassing about them in that inevitably there comes a stage about once every six months where you really need something yep. and you can't get an internet connection and you realise how fragile your career is. <laughs> <laughs> you realise how in the pocket of big Google you are. Yeah, it's not like, say, a woodsman who goes out with his big arms and cuts down a tree then drags it home and chops it up to give, no, to, the, to, to, give to the wood folk. It's just... Whoever uh, Sergey is that a guy who runs Google. There's <laughs> a guy know. called Sergey. The worst I found is is because I live in the woods. Just occasionally, my internet will go down, mm. and it's just well, I'm not doing any work. That's me. Yeah, I guess there's nothing I can do. I'm going to the pub. Yeah, I'm guessing I'm going to have to call this research. <laughs> there's literally nothing I can do as soon as the internet goes down. But we like considering how reliable our internets are, we save a great deal of time because we can like I can't really write games unless Chris is watching me. Yeah, no. and, like I'd like to point out that like. I watch a lot of text being typed live mm. and vice versa. So we we see everything live happening in Google Docs and in the Discord. And I've I've developed a new method of comedy, which is to type fast enough that Chris doesn't know what I'm saying before I finish the word, so he'll laugh at the joke. It's very it's very difficult. It's, it's quite a skill. Yeah, it's useless. I'm thinking maybe like like maybe like live tweeting something. That's the only equivalent. That's just typing fast. Yeah, that's, well, that's what I need to do as well. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, ask me a question. I will do just that. What's the most complicated game you've played without aggressively vomiting at it? Champions 6th Edition. Champions 6th Edition. Champ- that was that was very definite. I believe, oh God, I believe it was Champions 6th Edition. Um, it's the superhero game. And rather than 
generate my own character. I told the GM what I wanted. He spent three hours in a spreadsheet and then bought me six pages of paper which detailed my reincarnated um, Joan of Arc. Six pages? Yes, mate. Every action has a stamina cost. You must keep track of your stamina round to round. No, I'm not doing that. You've got to. No. You recover a certain amount of stamina round to round, but also you lose it when you make actions, you see, so you need to rest. Oh. Every single action has a stamina cost. Oh my god. Fundamentally, not a bad idea as long as you're doing it in Dark Souls. Yeah, uh, like as long as the computer yeah. is carrying the weight. Yeah, but it, I. I played in that. I I was playing the re- I was playing the reincarnation of Joan of Arc. I was kind of a kind of a, kind of a righteous avenger character, sure, with flaming yeah. wings and a sword. The other characters were a spaceman with a with a ray gun, mm-hmm. some kind of ambulance man. Ambulance? What, part ambulance? I believe. I believe. I don't. Could believe. we run people as vehicles in this system? Mm, you know what? I think you could certainly have change into vehicles. I'm sure there Fair. was. Like the rule book was about a foot thick. But my favourite character was he was a um, shapeshifter, right? And he had he had three shapeshifting forms. So he was like he was like he he was a jungle warrior. Please tell please tell say you're about to say that there's a different character sheet for each one of those. Oh, there's a different, um, like, bit of paper for each of those forms. Oh, my God. I was hoping for a whole six-page character sheet for each. Panther. Mm -hmm. Condor. 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 And Pigeon. Pigeon? For urban reconnaissance. I would still be the Condor. He turned into a pigeon on the first round of combat and got the shit kicked out of him. You would. Because he was a pigeon. You're a pigeon. Not an unnecessarily tough pigeon. Just a normal pigeon. Turned into a Condor. Or a panther. Yeah, but if you're doing aerial reconnaissance. Or just a dude. <laughs> a dude who can fly its champion. <laughs> so much easier. And, like, the GM was obviously so into it. And everyone really cared. And I sat and like, I, we played. And I got about three and a half hours in. We halfway through combat. And eventually I said, no, you know what? I'm going Just home. Can't. But I actually gave up halfway through a session. Not even at the end of a session. I was like, oh, listen, mate, thanks for running, but not my cup of tea. Just, I'll just see you around. Walked, walked straight out. I, 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 I just set my character sheet on fire and while everyone was distracted, I ran. <laughs> well, they're beating it out with their coats. Yeah, no, uh, I, just, I just gave up. And, like, I gave up halfway through a fight and was like, I can't do this. I'm really sorry. This isn't for me. Thank you so much. Bye. I think the longest complicated game I've played in was Doc Heresy. That was my campaign. Yeah. You were playing a an assassin, then a sister of battle, weren't you? Yeah, it was. It was horribly complicated. <laughs> horribly complicated. It, listen, you only had two sides of A four for your character. That is though. true. No, that is true. And I'm like not saying it's the range of the range of options available to, available to you were limited. Yeah, but in other news, fuck that system. Oh my god, I I have a real problem with games that have hit locations. Why is that? Because it adds an extra step. Well, you, you simply reverse the number on the dice. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, it's bullshit though. But yeah. it's, it's an extra step. Yeah, and it's just this, especially in games that want to represent things to a level 
of hit location charts. Yeah. There's always another five steps that you need. Well, because you had hit location, and then you had to work out how much damage you did to that location. And you had, am- you had, you had armor per location and soak. Yep. Soak was global, armor was per location. You subtracted that from the damage. For any of those that... T- so, so after that, you subtracted from your, from your total wounds, which is around 12 to, 12 to 15, yep. I believe. Then once you ran out of wounds, if you took damage to those areas, you applied the, 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 the amount of damage on the critical damage table, of which there were three, four kinds? Too many kinds. Blunt, no, it was blunt energy and rending. So the impact energy and rending. There were three flavours, and each, each hit location had, had, had three tables devoted to it. It's too much. One of the one of the results had the, had the character's eyes pop. Ugh. Yeah, like, Ugh. like a badly boiled egg is the phrase. I was <laughs> well, at least they added that. I mean, that's something. well, like, but like you you were playing assassin with this whacking great sword. I remember I made you a model for it. Yeah. Actually. I was pretty proud of it. Um, I used I, I used a sword which was um, technically the wrong scale. It was a it was a fifty eight millimeter sword and a twenty eight millimeter model. Yeah. And you beheaded a powerful traitor, and that was really good. And 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 you were you were trying to run to cover, to get behind, to get out of the way of the yep. return fire of his friends. And because you cut his head off, his blood was everywhere, and you had to keep making agility tests not to fall over, which you did yes. like a fucking carry on film. It was ridiculous. It was, it was, it was. Mm. Yeah, impressive. I will say, I think I think the thing which bothers me most is when there are multiple subsystems within a game. Yeah. Now, it's okay if there's all jammed together well, and, like, for example, I would use magic as a subsystem in Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. Um, It's significantly larger than the main system, but it still is reliant on that main D20 system, where you roll D20 hit target. Yeah, the cogs mesh. Yeah. Whereas in Dark Heresy, there's so many different... Like entirely different rules aside from just roll a d100 under the number on your sheet. Dark Heresy is, is like Champions to to a degree. It's one of those systems where you just go, "Hang on, we've never needed a rule from this chapter before, <laughs> but now's the time." It's like Shadowrun's rules for treading water. Yeah, not just for swimming. No, for treading. You will not believe the number of people who have commented on my post saying, "Um, what if you fell in the sewer with all your gear? You want you just want your gym to make it up? Good luck." Don't play Shadowrun. Oh no, hey. Don't. I thought I was bad. There are better games yeah. that do the same thing. There's better versions of Shadowrun. <laughs> Any other version of Shadowrun other than Fifth. This is pretty deep cut. We have one last question. Alright. One last question. Which is, making traps cool again. It's not really a question, is it? It's not. Can I try and a question? Please do. Making traps cool again? Maybe traps cool again? By Nezaraj. Nezaraj. Santa symbol. Oh, well, that's nice. So, is this how would we make traps cool again? Or just like, let's make up some cool traps rather than. So, okay, I think these traps have to exist within the ecology of a world. Okay. Here is the issue. If you just say, here is an idea for a trap, it's never going to make any fucking sense. Because traps are a natural part of natural. Traps are a part of inhabit. Uh, traps are a part of habitation and preparing things and guarding stuff. And so, if you just have here is a pit trap, yep. that doesn't mean anything. How about a reverse pit trap? Go on. Rather than falling into a pit, the the floor suddenly goes up to meet the ceiling. <laughs> or just like a really fierce anti gravity. Yeah, just just as soon as you step on it, what bang slams straight into the ceiling. I I actually like. You know how pit traps will have like have like a fake floor. Yeah, it's got a fake ceiling, so it's just, it's just painted polystyrene. You walk under it, there's sort of a 
<laughs> you fly up through the ceiling and you're about like 40 foot up there, stuck on the roof. Get now me down. What, yeah. Now what are you going to do? Yeah. Because if you, if you deactivate the trap, your mate's going to fall to his... <laughs> you can throw him a rope. <laughs> I, I guess climb what, I, down? I, I guess at that point he could climb up the rope and, but and descend. Have, but you'd have to hold the rope outside of the zone and throw it into the zone. Yeah, that would work. And it, it, it would go and then sort of like, whoop, go right up. That's which odd. You could then, oh, that's good. That's Tesseract. Dude. Yeah. I like that. All right, my turn. Maybe we just reinvent the pit trap. Just over and over? Yeah. Purple worm latrine. Oof. Grave. Like, like it's it's a grave which you've buried a load of zombies in, and, lo- yep. and loads of ghosts and skeletons. And so you fall there, and then, and then, and then it's just like, oh, it's just a pit trap. And then, and they start pulling you down beneath that the works. earth. That works. I like that. That'd be fun. Um, it's actually just someone's mouth. What? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wipe your shoes. All right, ghosts. Um, when you fall into the pit trap, um, you get turned around into the meta version. So you fall in, and then whatever you roll you like you think you saved yourself like yeah. like you, like you, you thought you were falling but it turns out you grabbed onto the edge and in fact you've just emerged into the middle into the metaverse <laughs> which is which is the malign recreation of all that's a bit that's a bit of work isn't it that's a lot of work maybe just david barry from labyrinth it what does he he's do? on he's on the mc escher stairs kind of stepping round things yeah and you can't get back to see your friends a pit trap but it's got a it's got a conveyor belt at the bottom which just transports the fucker off somewhere. A pit trap, but the entire pit is filled with a gelatinous cube. That's gotta have been done before, right? That has I, that to like, be. Yeah, I like it though. And like oozes are a popular one to put at the bottom as well. Yeah. A pit trap and at the bottom awaits a goblin game show. A pit trap into an identical corridor. <laughs> just without your mates in it. And the ceiling closes over. Yeah, just locks over. Like, what, what, what are you going to do now? Hmm? What are you going to do now? Like, what, what are you going to do? <laughs> it's just an exact reproduction. Identical. <laughs> um, a pit trap, but you put a grate over the top, then it fills up with water. That's good. Plus, you know, nasty way to go. Right, horrible way to go. Yeah. I mean, like, like, you should be able to keep yourself just alive, depending, yeah. on, what, depending on where the grate is. Pit trap, mm-hmm. with a grate over the top, so mm-hmm. it fills up with whale milk. Mmm, creamy. Mm. Boy, imagine how well you'd float in whale milk. Imagine the density. <laughs> it's like the Dead Sea. Imagine getting that shit out of your boots. What'd you get out of your hair? Well, like, it's like spilling milk in a car is basically like that car's gone now. Yeah, you can't, you can't go back. You have, you have to throw away the whole car. Just imagine being submerged entirely in old whale milk. And by old whale milk, what I mean is whale cheese. <laughs> whale feta. Fetid whale feta. Pet trap, but it's on a boat. It's the a entire hole. boat it's goes under. <laughs> it just starts, <laughs> just starts sinking. Yeah. Damn you, adventurers! <laughs> um, a pit trap, but it reveals the true dungeon. <laughs> like it's so like, you've got to fall into it to get well, anywhere. That's the thing. It's actually broken. Like okay. rather than being a pit trap. This whole dungeon is a trap designed to fool people. And by falling down here, you find the act. A bit like, you know, the second half of Paul when you go behind the scenes? Yeah. It's a bit like that. that so so, so actually you find the thing. 
But then again, you'd have to plot the entire up up up. Well, you should have the upper thing very short and just yeah. just like have a treasure chest with some yeah. minor riches in it. Yeah, and then have the rest of the underground like oh, actually, people live here. A pit trap, but it's actually a mimic, and it just looks like a hole. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, what are you planning to make? Absolutely nothing. nothing. It's very hard. I have to stay very still. Talking to you isn't endangering. <laughs> what the facade? <laughs> A pit trap, but there's a sorcerer and a wank at the moment. <laughs> oh shit! Oh god, oh, god. Oh, oh, oh jeez! Hey, Conan! Look away! Look away! Look away! Knock! <laughs> a pit trap that when you fall down it, you land in a boudoir and must marry the Albert princess. <laughs> so there's a recursive pit trap. Go on. So you fall down a pit trap, make a roll to dodge falling down a pit trap, make a dodge roll to stop falling down a pit trap, make, and just keep going down. Oh, and, and, just, and until you succeed. Until you succeed. Well, no, that depends on how far you fall. Oh, okay. So you keep falling. So you fall the first one, which is 10 feet. Yeah. And if you fail to stop yourself from falling through the next one, that's a 20-foot fall. A pit trap, but it's a loop. <laughs> so so like it's a portal which the, the, the bottom of the floor is linked to the top. And you're sort of yeah. As you as, as you reach, um, I, I guess like I'd probably put in the same dungeon a um, ring of featherfall, so you could at least control the descent no, somewhat. Okay. No terminal velocity. Mm-hmm. Your friends have got to get you out. Terminal. Uh, hang on. Pushing a mattress in the middle. <laughs> terminal velocity, which you then have to somehow redirect to take out the dragon boss. Yes. So you get the paladin to go in there. Give give, give him, him a lance. lance. <laughs> Just pointing it down. <laughs> <laughs> and then tilt the the entire dungeon. Well, because it would it would like imagine it would be it would be on a magic mirror. Yeah. And so like at that point you just you pull down the magic put mirror. Put it at a forty five degree angle. And yeah. Fire him into a dragon. Like, like swing it down to ninety, and he smacks open a door and dies. <laughs> but so does the dragon. So does the dragon. Okay, that's enough for us this week. I think. Thank you so much for listening to episode forty five of Hearty Dice Friends. We love you very much. We have made you. Sneaky little turkey sandwich. We've got some good sourdough bread, some choice bits of turkey, that's white meat and dark meat, some bacon off the turkey, bit of stuffing, bit of lettuce, plenty of mayo, and uh, maybe a couple of pigs and blankets in there? Just a couple. Just, just, yeah. Let's not, not over egg it. It's like slice it down, no eggs at all. Obviously. We've made that for you. We're going to sneak that into your room at night because. There is a thing that happens, isn't there, listener? And it's okay for you to think this too. That about, say, 10 o'clock on Christmas Day, you start getting hungry despite everything. <laughs> it shouldn't be physically possible. But we're going to sneak this to you and judge you barely at all for it. We're not going to tell you exactly where we put it, because that's part of the fun. It's all part of the fun. Just just close your eyes, open your mouth to, to increase your hearing, and then breathe in... Deeply through your nose and see if you can smell and hear the sandwich. <laughs> the sandwich will be audibly fatty. <laughs> like a big jug of whale milk. <laughs> like a massive jug of whale milk. Which we've also hidden in your room. <laughs> which we left out for Santa on your behalf. Because we love you. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to give us some money for doing this, we'd like that very much. You can go to patreon.com forward slash hearty dice friends and give us some money per episode. We're actually interested in trying out some some other other podcasts around the same theme. So we're interested More in, content for yeah, you. More content for you and basically we put we figure we put these in as stretch goals on the weekly on the weekly value. We're still working out precisely how it goes. Yeah. But we want to get in some designers, like some designer friends of ours, and some also some people who we admire to talk about game design, but also 
how game design influ- influences their other fields of profession. So, like, we, we we've got a magician who we can get on. We have like a ballet dancer. We've got various people who are also into games. I think that's something really interesting to be derived from that. Sort of having them bash up against the rocks of our impenetrable friendship. <laughs> <laughs> and also, now you do a dance for me. And also, world building. We we, we we've been yeah. we're messing around with we're doing yeah, worlds. Been world building. And a podcast called Worlds Apart. We're, we're going to carry on recording them. Uh, you should be hearing them within the next few weeks or so, just as we put them out to see what you think. Um, but the more money you give us on Patreon, the more chance you've got of hearing us, as it were. So the more content we can we we can the more content we can produce. Yeah, the more coins you throw in our virtual busker's hat, the more busk we do. Yeah, the more busk we do, the buskier this shit gets. <laughs> so busky. If you've got a question for us, you can follow us on HDF Podcast on Twitter and ask us a question there. I keep I keep an eye on that, so sometimes we answer them now, which is nice. You can also send an email to heartydicefriends at gmail.com if you have a longer question. Please do send them in, because we love getting them, and we like answering your questions. Also, like if you find like a topic on Reddit or somewhere on the internet which you think would be fun for us to talk about, please send that in as well, and we'll credit you for it. And credit obviously. the person who did the Reddit post. Well, it's not like they're going to hear, but yeah. Um, yes, yes, definitely. Um, in fact, we did. We, someone did that this week, and I forgot to put it in the show, so we'll put oh, it well in next week. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we adore you. We're going to go now and lie down. Oh, big old Christmas lie down. Oh, big Christmas lie down, and maybe have a little bit of the coffee liqueur, which yes. Chris has. We'll see you in the new year. We hope you have a good one. I believe this is going out. This is actually going out on the first of January. So happy new year, mother lovers. Hoodie who? Hoodie who? And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.